1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Well, it's been a couple of weeks uh, since we were here on faith and prayer. Last Wednesday, we did our Christmas communion. We left off last time in 2 Corinthians 6.14, and we were talking about fellowship. Fellowship with God must be based upon righteousness. For what fellowship does light have with darkness? What communion does light have with darkness? 2 Corinthians 6.14, New King James do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? Uh, you know, this is not a dating seminar, but it's amazing to me how many young people grow up in a church like this and then they, they go do evangelistic dating. Um, you know, if, if somebody really is interested in you, bring them to church and see if they walk the aisle. But, you know, you just can't get involved with people. And because what fellowship hath light with darkness? And, uh, oh, yeah, but it's love. Well, yeah, but how are the children going to be raised? See, people don't think ahead. They don't think ahead. Amen. I like my tribe. You know, when Peter and John got released from prison, they went back to their tribe. Amen. And uh, I like being around faith people and people that, what happens if a child's sick? How about what's going on right now with all this madness? If your home's divided, do you understand? It's a big deal having a division in a marriage. So he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. Fellowship means sharing together. And we used last time, two weeks ago, this illustration of marriage because marriage is a good illustration of this. Marriage is to be a partnership. Marriage is pulling the burden together as one. We probably, nobody here has seen oxen and yoke together. I have in China, but they pull together. Probably nobody even here has seen it, two horses pulling together in harness. Uh, you know, everybody thinks, you know, it's everything's going to be an electric whatever. You plug in and go 20 miles. No, no. In the old days, uh, they would have oxen or they would have horses and they would put them in yoke together and they pulled together. And that's what marriage ought to be. It ought, marriage ought not be, let me tell you what, and if you're here tonight and you're a ne'er-do-well, you might have skated five, ten years, but your wife's going to get tired of that. She's going to put you out to pasture. Amen. And, uh, you know, then that goes both ways. You know, the man, if the man comes home and, you know, she looks like she did when he left or worse, he's going to get tired of that. So we ought to be in it together. We ought to have goals set together. We ought to be pulling together. We ought to be in this thing together. Do you understand? And if you got two people in it together, it makes the burden lighter for each one. Right? I think you, you all ate too much. You're not saying amen like you ought to. Ma marriage is to be an equal exchange, both giving of their best. Another word that it suggests, we dealt with this two weeks ago, is the word communion. Communion means the, sh the two are sharing from the same cup. And in a good marriage, the two become perfectly one in their blending together, just as God has said, the two shall become one flesh. And that takes time. Everybody say time. time. And we're headed somewhere with this. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. It is unlimited fellowship with Father God that brings the richest, deepest joy into a believer's life. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. 
So in the midst of that sentence, it says, God has called you into fellowship with his son. God has called you into fellowship with his son. We were called into fellowship with the son, and this is a heavenly calling. I'm, I'm so convinced. I'm so convinced that we start our lives, and, and this seems important, and that seems important, and I guess it is. Things are important. And, but it, when you get further down the road, like, like I am, you look back and you realize a lot of the stuff that we thought was important wasn't really important. And we, we majored on the minors and we minored on the majors. And the biggest issue of life is what did we do for Jesus and where are our children headed for all of eternity? Those are the big issues. Amen. Amen. Seems like a long time. You know, it does. We got married 46 years ago. It seems like a long time. But think about it. A million years from tonight, in eternity, those 46 years will seem like the blink of an eye. Because whatever time we think we have passed through here, it's nothing compared to the time we're going to pass through on the other side. So... This is like sitting for an SAT. This life is like sitting for an SAT. And it's going to determine a lot going forward. But it's a window. That's all it is. But we get distracted. We get diverted. We got people and all their drama. And that adds to it, doesn't it? Amen. So we're to be in the yoke with Jesus. We're supposed to be pulling with Jesus. We're supposed to be in communion with Jesus. We're supposed to be, you know all this nonsense the last two years you know and I, I, I'm so grateful for Omicron I'm so grateful everybody's getting it I'm so grateful you know 80% of the double you know stabbed are getting it I'm so grateful because maybe it's the end you see what I'm saying I mean you know if everybody if you know and oh yeah but pastor you shouldn't say that it's a cold we went from the flu to the to a cold. So maybe you know, maybe 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 people will calm down. I mean, they are so stupid. Last week they ordered a half a billion PCR tests. Then this week they say, well, they're no good. That's what they're doing with your tax money. That is what they're doing with your tax money, and they're experts. See, all of that is a distraction and a diversion. And here at Faith Christian Center, I guess I'm tooting our horn. Here at Faith Christian Center, what have we been doing for two years? Man, we've been preaching the gospel. We've been teaching the word of God. We've been winning the lost. We've been casting out devils. We've been healing the sick. See, we stayed on task. But all of this stuff, all this drama, all of this stuff going on, these are all snipe hunts to pull God's, to, to pull men and women of God off task. Because when the men and women of God get off task, people go to hell. Yeah, it's that serious. Amen, I believe it. So we're, we're to be in the yoke with Jesus. We're to be in the harness together with Jesus. We're to have his heart, his mind, and his regard for people and his work and his kingdom. That's what we're supposed to be mindful of. And this is fellowship with Jesus. See, when you, when you, back when we could visit the sick in hospitals, we were fellowshipping with Jesus. Back when we used to be able to go visit somebody in jail, we were fellowshipping with Jesus. I've never one time... I, I, I think this is accurate. The Lord may correct me while I'm saying this. I don't think I've ever one time visited anybody in jail that ever came back and came to church. You talk about a fruitless endeavor in the natural. You talk about a waste of a, of a pastor's time. But I didn't do it for them. There's nothing as unnerving as hearing three sets of steel doors shut behind you. I mean, I didn't do anything, and I'm wondering, am I ever getting out of here? <laughs> I'm serious. That's right. Amen. That's right. 
But you don't, if you do it for people, you're going to be disappointed all day long. You do it for God. You do it for Jesus. Amen. And the same thing with going to see people in the hospital. I taught Austin. You know, he was just a youngster. I said, every time you go to see somebody in the hospital and you're riding the elevator, you say out loud, I'm coming to see you, Jesus. Because people, you know, they may be grateful. They may not. But whether they're grateful or not, that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because we're in the harness with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're doing it because we're pulling the yoke together with Jesus. And this is fellowship with Jesus. This is sharing the cup together with Jesus. This is sharing the burden together with Jesus. This is fellowship with the Son. And I left off two weeks ago by saying, what have you done for him? And I know this is old school, but I'm telling you what, this is it. A hundred years from tonight, the only thing that's going to matter to you as a believer in Christ is, is your family with you? What did you do for Jesus and how much money did you send up ahead by giving into the gospel? That's it. That's all. That's all that's going to matter. The rest of it is a snipe hunt. Amen. Amen. Did, I, did you get the latest purse? Did you get the latest, coolest car? Did the, the, you, none of that's going to matter. The car you get in to go home tonight won't matter. The, car, the home you drive home to tonight won't matter. What you're wearing tonight won't matter. The purse you're wearing, hopefully the gals, the, the purse you're carrying, you know, that won't matter. None of it's going to matter. What's going to matter is, are, are, your, are your children with you? What did you do for Jesus? And how much money did you send up on ahead? And it wasn't just Jesus taught about sending money on up ahead. Paul taught it too. Now, the new birth and righteousness are to one end, that we may enjoy the sweetest fellowship with Father God, with His Son, and with the Holy Spirit of God. That's what it's about. It is to restore unto man what was lost in the garden through disobedience. That's the objective. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, listen to me real close right here, and you'll see where we've been headed in this topic of fellowship. Fellowship is the parent of real faith. Fellowship is the parent of real faith. Say it out loud. Fellowship, fellowship. is the parent, is the parent of, real faith. of real faith. If you find someone whose faith is weak, you may know that his fellowship has been broken or it is of a low type or quality. It's fellowship with God through his word and time spent in prayer that feeds faith. Wow. It is fellowship with God through his word and time spent in prayer that feeds faith. This is why, you know, we, we dealt with that scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 last Wednesday night about many among you are weak and sickly. Let me tell you what, many among you are weak and sickly also because people are not spending time in fellowship with God through the written word and they're not spending time in fellowship with God in prayer and they're weak and they're weak you <sighs> you are the beneficiaries of our strength but not everybody's in an environment like this you feed off us by the word coming out of the pulpit. Amen. But not everybody's in an environment like that. Amen. Can you see that? Yes. So if, if somebody is not in an environment like that, it's actually more incumbent upon them yes. to spend more fellowship with God in the word of God and more fellowship with God in prayer. Yes. Because people get weak. They get weak. In our day, people speak of quality time. You know, that's the real rage, you know, in interpersonal relationships, quality time. And I understand there's a point to it, but it can also be a load of nonsense. Why? Because in a marriage, for example, you simply cannot have quality time without quantity of time. Don't be one of these deadbeat dads that works 100 hours a week and sits down for two minutes with your kids and say, well, it's quality time. No, you're a punk. Amen. You can't have quality of time without a quantity. Amen. There's got to be a quantity Amen. to get to a quality. Can you see that? 
in 2020 and 2021, I've become increasingly confident that those ministers who have demonstrated weak faith or no faith in the face of the plague are also people who spend little quantity of time in the Word of God and little quantity of time in prayer. Let me tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm just so convinced of it, I'm alarmed, and I try not to show my alarm. People have no idea who they're praying to. People have no idea whose name they are invoking. Just the other night, you know, I read about Saul says to David, you know, you want to be my son-in-law? You know, he's trying to get him killed. Uh, go collect 100 Philistine foreskins. David says, okay. So he goes, and you know, these are not like willingly handed over. And so <laughs> David goes out and collects 200. And this is a man after God's own heart. See, that does not jive with what modern society says is Christian. A chapter two later, God says, through Samuel, the prophet of God to Saul, to wipe out the Amalekites because they waylaid the children of Israel coming up out of Egypt. But there was also another issue there. Uh, we don't really maybe want to get into too deep, but they were genetically impure from the angels uh, having relations with women. We know this. We know this is why the flood of Noah came. Noah was perfect in his generations. The Hebrew word is the derivative of the word genetics. Uh, people are not paying attention. They're not paying attention. They're not paying attention that only one other time in the history of humankind has Satan messed around with the human genome and God's solution was wipe out everybody. And here Satan's doing, you know, his thing again, trying to tinker with the human genome. Well, then, then contrary to, what was the famous Baptist Bible? Probably nobody even here knows what I'm talking about. But, you know, he said it was the sons of Seth and the daughters of whatever. No, that can't be it because there were giants after the flood. There were no sons of Seth and daughters of Cain because all that was left after the flood was the, this, Noah's descendants. Do you understand? So there were giants after the flood. Who did David kill? Goliath. Was that before the flood or after the flood? After the flood. So God says... To, to Saul through Samuel. I want you to wipe those people out. See, Christian people, they have no idea who they're even praying to. They have no idea the nature of the one whose name they invoke. And you get this knowledge by spending not quantity of time. I mean, you could say, okay, I'm going to spend two minutes of quality time and I'm going to read one verse and sit here and meditate on it. Well, that's not going to do a whole lot of good unless you spend a quantity of time to find out the verse to meditate upon. Because they're not, all these verses are not equal. Anybody ever read the book of Numbers? Yeah. <laughs> would you or would you not say it's a little different than the book of Mark? Yeah, they're not all equal. But there's some good stuff in Numbers. You spend quantity of time in the Word of God, it'll sober you right up. Because you find out who you're dealing with. He's not to be trifled with. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he says things like this, that if you disobey me, I will repay you to your face. Well, I don't think I want to go down that road. I'd rather be on Blessing Boulevard, amen, than Cursed Trail. I'd rather the blessings be overtaking me and overwhelming me than the curses overtaking me and overwhelming me. But people just, they just, they... 
And, and so then they go to church and get Captain Crunch and they think it's true because they're in church. I mean, it's church, right? So he must be a, an expert on God like these medical people are experts on health. And they just believe. See, you have to do your own reading. Like in this health issue of 2020, 21, you have to do your own reading so you can come to your own conclusions. Well, that's true in the Word of God. That's true in Christianity. Just Sunday, uh, we rehearsed 300 promises of God about the Lord Jesus Christ. We gave you chapter and verse on every prophecy. We gave you chapter and verse on every fulfillment. And there's not another faith, another religion. There's not another holy book that can even point to one prophecy. Not one, not one, not one, let alone 300 on one topic. To see people... You know, but you know, they, they, man, they saw Denzel put that book, you know, right, right next to the, the book of the Koran. So, you know, they're right there on the shelf together. No, they're not. 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 You know, it's like people going to see Saving Private Ryan and thinking they know all about World War II. I mean, this, this is the, you know, the culture we live in. You have to go to the source material to know what you're talking about. And the source material for Christianity is the Bible. You have to, and when you hear me re rehearse this or rehearse that, you got to go to the source material. You are responsible for your salvation. You have, that's why we give you chapter and verse. Amen. We're not hiding it. We want you to develop critical thinking skills. We want you to think for yourself. We want you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of the might. We don't want you to be a weakling. Amen. You know, we want you to be like Popeye after the spinach. Not like, who was the guy that ate the hamburgers? That's all he did. Who was that? Wimpy. Wimpy, yeah. So you can be wimpy or you can be Popeye after the spinach. So people who are weak in their faith are people who spend little quantity of time in the Word of God and they spend little quantity of time in prayer. Now, of course, the objection is, well, pastor, I'm not in the ministry full-time like you are, which is a valid argument, so where am I going to get this time? Okay, steal it from Facebook. Come on. Amen. Steal it from the television set. Amen. You see what I'm saying? So you have the time. It's like, it's like tithing and money. You got the money. Amen. Your direct TV bill or your, app, your iTunes account or whatever would cover your tithe. Or your beer and cigarettes. Or your margarita bill after work, happy hour, whatever. In other words, you got it. It's just a matter of how are you spending it. Well, the same thing is true here on time. You got the time. You got the time. How are you spending it? They're weak because their faith is weak. And their faith is weak because they have no fellowship with God through his word. And they have no fellowship with God through prayer. I'm trying to edit myself because I don't know who's watching. But I'm telling you what. There are ministers that we thought were strong. And we have been horrified at how weak they have become. they have been behaving so weakly in the last two years, they've got me wondering if they're saved. Can you be saved and act like this? Can you be saved and talk like this? I'm talking about fearful. They are weak because their faith is weak, and their faith is weak because they have no fellowship with God through his word, and they have no fellowship with God through prayer. I don't know how people live without prayer myself I, I don't it's not uncommon it's not uncommon for me to be out praying and the Lord 
point out to me a mistake I made in math, a mistake in a spreadsheet, uh, that I said something in a letter that could be phrased a little better, a little differently. You got the wrong verse. You got the wrong scripture. You got the wrong reference. It is astounding. The information that can be gleaned when a human being spends quantity of time with God in prayer. It's astounding how many mistakes in life we avoid. And I don't know about you, but I'm making a lot of mistakes. So would I want to have five or six times this many mistakes? No way. So any mistake I can avoid, I man, I'm all for it. I want to avoid every mistake I can avoid making. I couldn't even, I mean, it's, it would be impossible to quantify how many times out in prayer and, and Sometimes I make a mental note to myself. I hate to stop because when I stop, it seems like it, it, everything takes longer. Sometimes I stop. I go in the office and I make a note to myself, make sure I don't forget something because he's speaking to me. Amen. And he speaks to me probably 10 times as much when I'm praying than other times. Amen. The second closest time over 24 hours that he would speak to me would be when I first wake up before I get my mind cluttered with stuff. Sometimes they'll speak to me then. But I don't even know how people make it. I don't even know how they make it. Let me give you an example from the last two years. Simple, simple, simple concept. Every time, not most of the time, not a lot of the time, not, uh, you know, uh, more likely than not, every time the nation of Judah looked to Pharaoh or they looked to the king of Aram, or they looked for somebody else to help them, every time, 100%, they were defeated. Turn that coin over. Every time they didn't look to man, and every time they looked to the Lord, they were delivered from the hands of their enemies, and they were victorious. Well, see, when people spend quantity of time in the word of God, And not just, you know, Jesus wept, you know, okay, I'm going to meditate on this for 35 days. Jesus wept. No, I'm talking about not just quality time, but quantity of time and and read through that Bible. And I know, you know, a lady came out here a few months back. That would have been probably February, March. Pastor Jean, when, when you do the annual Bible reading and you get to the book of Numbers, do you really read all those names? Yes. Now, I don't pay as much attention to that as Matthew 6.33, but, you know, I just read it. You let you read the paper. But you come across information that will keep you out of the fowler's snare. Like looking to man. Fellowship between a husband and wife can easily be broken, but just because fellowship is broken does not mean that the marriage itself is broken. It takes a court to do that. Broken fellowship does not break your relationship, but it can mar it and rob that relationship of its richest blessings and benefits. All low-grade faith comes from a low grade of fellowship. All low-grade faith comes from a low-grade of fellowship, a low-grade of fellowship with God by not spending time in his word, and a low-grade of fellowship with God by not spending time in prayer. They could not have done what they did these last two years without social media. They could not have done what they did without smartphones. They could not have done what they have done until we got to this point technologically. You know, we were watching the original True Grit the other night, and, you know, the, the girl says something really cute, old-timey, something about whiskey. She said, I will not put a thief in my mouth to steal my brains. And I, I paused the movie, and I said, well, how would we bring that into 2021 vernacular? I will not set something before my eyes that will steal my brains. See, we had to get to this point. And we've, this has been a topic of conversation at the house because don't you know, don't you know, don't you know that when Hitler had his brown shirts, which is today's Antifa, 
uh, when, when Hitler had his brown shirts in the 30s, those people in real time back then thought, this is it. This is it. And don't you think when that, when that monster Hitler rose and his uh, Joseph Mengel, MD, by the way, you know, was doing experiments on, on uh, mentally disabled people and Jewish people and children, don't you think people in real time back then, what was that, 90 years ago, thought, this is it. But see, we weren't at that point technologically for there to be such a thing called the mark of the beast. But we're there tonight. And Satan, you know, Satan doesn't know what God's calendar is. You understand that, right? Satan knows a lot of stuff, but Satan is not privy to God's calendar. So he's always had to have an antichrist ready to go. But we, we never in world history have we gotten to a point where we had the technology until right here, right now. And I submit to you that the technology is part of why there's such a lack of common sense. Amen. Amen. You know, they've, they've done studies. Austin can tell you all about it. The, the amount of time a child spends on, a, on an electronic screen actually is inversely proportionate to how well they do in school later. It, it, it steals their brains. It's like in that True Grit movie where she says, I will not put a thief in my mouth to steal my brains. But that's what we have with uh, social media and electronic devices. By the way, anybody, if you have an old uh, pre-tracking uh, Motorola flip phone, man, I would love to buy one from you. Because, you know, there's, I hear about these guys in the church and they've got, man, I just, I, I'm almost... I'm almost envious, you know, because I just threw my stuff away, gave it away, traded it, whatever. But, oh, my gosh, I would love to have one of those old phones that, did, that didn't track you. Amen. Sue told the girls at the house today to brush their teeth, and, and the, the, her phone read what she said and texted it out to a bunch of people. <laughs> that's, just, that's just too much technology. You see what I'm saying? Amen. The whole world doesn't need to know when you tell your grandchildren to brush their teeth. But I mean, I'm telling you. See, my point is not to slam this modern stuff so much as to say that it is time wasted. It will not heal your body. It will not save your soul. It will not it will not win a child back to God that has gotten off course. It, it won't do anything important. I remember we, we did a couples class for the church that we worked at when I was working on my master's degree. And there was a fellowship, and we were down in Crowley, I think it was. And, and they were, there were these two young guys in the church, and, man, they had visions and dreams and stuff. They were talking about stuff I had no idea about. And so they had the very first, they had, they had the very first Apple computer there. It was there. And I thought, oh, you know, and they're just going on about, you know, how great this is and whatever. And from, I said, well, it looks to me like all I can do is play chess. And, uh, oh, it can do a lot more than that. But I said, well, I don't see that it does anything. But now if you had one of those antique, what do they bring on eBay? It's unbelievable how much. But now they do too much. We wish all they did was play chess. That's right. That's right. Amen. Because this is how they're doing the, the passports. This is how, how is it that in Israel, if you have three shots, uh, one day you have a, a vaccine passport and the next day you go red. How do, how, how do they do in that? Through these smart devices. Makes me want to live out in the country and go back and buy my black telephone, hang on the wall that Sue hated and got rid of, you know, just, you know, landline, amen. amen. And uh, somebody, you know, we were looking at land. Well, does it have internet? Who cares? You know? The Bible. See? These are the words of life. 
This will tell you how to get saved. This will tell you how to get healed. This will tell you how to get your children healed. It'll tell you how to become wealthy. It'll, it'll tell you how to build a business. It'll, it will tell you what you need. And you know, the beautiful thing is, just today, just today, Dr. Frankenstein, you know, admitted that these PCR tests are completely worthless, even though the government ordered a half a billion dollars, a half a billion of them last week. See, you don't have to worry about that with God, because God ain't changing one doggone thing. I mean, how would you feel if you woke up tomorrow morning and the tithe was 11%? And then you woke, up, you woke up Saturday morning and the tithe was 12%. And then you woke up Monday morning and the tithe was 13%. It would work really great for Faith Christian Center, but you would be bummed. That's what man does. Lie and lie and lie and lie and lie. And you sit there and you, you, you watch you know, MSNBC and CNN, and then, you know, you got your device and you're doing all of that, and your brains, forget about your spirit man becoming weak, your brains dissolve inside your cranial skull. And you just get stupid. Now, if you think I'm over the top on this, they've done studies about classical music, and they have proven that classical music is one of only two things that will raise the IQ of a child. So what happens now to this generation that came up on all of this anti-woman stuff? It just dissolved their brains. I know I sound old, but I'm telling you, I know what works. I know how to get healed. Amen. I know how to speak to the mountain and make the mountain move. Hallelujah. And I didn't learn any of that. I didn't learn any of that from the government. I didn't learn any of that staring at an electronic device. See, people are weak in their faith. Because they have spent, because they have not spent a quality of time and a quantity of time in the Word of God, and they're weak in their faith because they have not spent a quality of time and a quantity of time in fellowship with God. Let me tell you something about God. God will tell you when somebody's lying to you. You'll know it. It won't be an audible voice, but you'll just know it. It comes in real handy at car dealerships. Amen. You just know it down, down in here. There's like a scratching, like, like fingernails on a chalkboard. Down in here, you know it. You could have a couple who lived in absolute heaven, then an unkind word or a thoughtless act mars their lives. It, it breaks fellowship. They're both, in a, in a marriage, sometimes they're both too proud to acknowledge the fault, and a gulf, a gulf de develops between them. It's almost impassable because they're both unwilling to ask each other's forgiveness. See, that doesn't mean the marriage is over. It takes a court to say the marriage is over. It means fellowship is broken, and we can do that with God. That doesn't mean we're not his children. I remember Fred Price telling the illustration. He was in Africa, and he called home. He's talking to Betty, and the line went dead. He said, that, does, that didn't mean that she wasn't my wife. That didn't mean that she didn't love me. That didn't mean I didn't love her. But, but the communication has ceased. The fellowship at that point has been interrupted. And we do this to ourselves. We do this to ourselves. You know, when, uh, when, when Ken Hagen and Lynette were here, that was three months ago, and uh, we got to talking about the children of famous people, and I won't mention any names, but he said, well, he said, you know, he said, he said, my dad was on the road as much as anybody's dad, but he said, I'll tell you what the difference was, and he named the names of those famous preacher's kids that got on drugs and went amiss. And he said, I'll tell you the difference. He said, when my dad came home, he said, my dad would hardly come in the door and he'd be back out the door 
and he'd have a, a ball glove and a baseball. And, and he said, when, when he was home, he spent time with me. Amen. You see, that makes a world of difference because there's fellowship. Oh, he knows, he knows I love him. Well, how does he know you love him? Oh, she knows I love him. You know, because every time you have an affair, you buy her some earrings or whatever. That, then that won't cut it. I said, that won't cut it. Amen. She doesn't want the earrings. She wants you. Amen. Why? I don't know, but she does. First John was written to help us restore fellowship, and I'm going to get into this and quit. This short epistle was written to tell us how to maintain our fellowship and how to restore it when it's broken, not just with God, but with each other. First John 1, 3, and 4, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make, we write this to make our joy complete. See, joy cannot be made full without a fullness of fellowship. And sadly, in the last two years, there are people, and I thought that we were on the same page, but we were not on the same page. I'm talking about ministers around the country. 1 John 5 1 John 1, 5, and 6, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have what? Fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. See, you can't, what fellowship hath light with darkness? I cannot claim to be in fellowship with God and then walk in the darkness. But that's the way a lot of, Dad Hagen used to describe it this way, walking down a hall in the dark, or walking down a hall with your eyes closed, either one, and what do you do? You have to feel along the wall. And that's the way a lot of Christians live their lives. And they're shocked to discover uh, something in the hallway they might stumble over, or maybe some crazy dog, or some adversary, some enemy. See, when, when the light comes on, the problem was there the whole time. It's just that the light illuminates it. If there was something there to stumble over, it was there the whole time. The light doesn't create the stumbling block. It illuminates it so you can avoid it. Amen. Can you see that? Amen. Or if there's something there that, wants, that seeks to harm you, the light illuminates it. It's there, but the light illuminates it. If, if, if something alarms you in the middle of the night, what's the first thing you do? No, that's the second thing you do. What's the first thing you do? You grab a 45. But what's the next thing you do? You turn on a light. Right? Well, you might have to turn on the light to get to the 45. But anyway, so anyway, but the, the light's in there somewhere. Because you want to shine light on what? You want to shine light on what? On the darkness. And with enough light, what goes away? Darkness and what else? Fear. You get enough light on it. So why, why are they, just today, one of our favorite MDs was thrown off Twitter. Why, why would they do that? Too much light. See, who likes darkness and who likes light? God is light, and as long as you are in fellowship with him, you are in the light. <laughs> God is light, and as long as you are in fellowship with him, you're in the light. You're walking in the light. And I'm telling you, in the last two years, it's very alarming because people that we know, people that we love, people that we've had fellowship with, you know, they're like, fearful and they're they're like walking down the hall trying to feel their way and uncertain and unsure and we've just walked in the light we're we just as confident as we've ever been and we just you know we we're just as full of god as we've ever been and and, and it's supernatural i mean i 
It's supernatural. I haven't had a runny nose in two years. Amen. It's just supernatural. Amen. And I'm talking about praying outside in the wintertime and all of that and the rain. It was, I mean, this morning I'm out there praying. It's raining. You know, I just keep trucking. Amen. The difference is the light. How much light do you have? Because the more light you have, the less fear you have. Tell your neighbor, the more light you have, the less fear you have. But the instant your fellowship is broken, you go back in the dark. The instant... There are, there are men here tonight, maybe women too, that used to have a substance abuse issue. And they'll tell you. They'll tell you. It does not take a long time to move from the light to the dark. They'll tell you. I mean, in a moment, at a party, one stop after work, it doesn't take that long to go from light to dark. And God's people do that spiritually. I'm not talking about substance now. I'm talking about spiritually. They do that spiritually. And the problem with the light is you got to deal with it. You know, when Sophie was first born and you know how children are and they look up at the lights, you know, they're just mesmerized by the lights. First grandbaby, she's just looking up. And uh, so, you know, this was a topic of conversation. You know, what's she looking at? And Austin would always say, she looked at the spider webs your gal didn't clean. <laughs> you know, it was a joke. But the point is, light illuminates what's been there the whole time. You just didn't see it. And that's why sometimes people walk into Faith Christian Center. See, they've been, they've been down there at the dark place. They've been down there at the first church of darkness. They've been down there at the first church of Captain Crunch. They've been down there at the first church of Compromise. And they walk in here, and man, we, we, got, the, we got the high beams on. And they're like, literally, literally, sometimes when we are up here speaking, you can see people squinting. And it can't be natural or physical because there's not that much light coming from behind us. I mean, literally, am I telling the truth? They squint. It's just too much light. Just too much, too much light. I got to go back to the darkness. You know, it's the holidays. And so my, my children, you know, they want to bless me. So they bought me some caramel corn. I'm, eat, I'm in the theater room. I'm eating some caramel corn. And I get up and I think, oh, my gosh, man, I got to clean this mess up before Sue sees it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm picking up little pieces of caramel corn. And then, you know, it's dark. And I'm looking at this one piece of caramel corn. And I'm thinking, why does it have legs? <laughs> See, and, and it's one thing, it's funny, isn't it, in the natural to tell a story like that, but you don't want that in your spiritual life. You don't want that in your spiritual life. You need more light. The light of God's word. See, he is light. And when we walk with him and pray with him now, you know, Fred Price used to pray at night. No point in me praying at night. I got to pray in the morning. And uh, it's just, just the way I'm hardwired. Dad Hagen used to pray in bed. No point in me praying in bed. You know, part of the reason I walk and pray is so I can stay awake. And uh, so I got to do what I got to do. But my point is, when you spend time with him, hallelujah, you walk in the light. And remember in the Holy Week Revival 2018, we pointed out that the spirit man down on the inside of us, I'm not talking about the, the, the heart, the muscle that pumps blood. I'm talking about the, the heart of a man, the spirit of a man down on the inside. The Bible in the King James calls it the candle of the Lord. 
And when you walk with him, see, that's all he ever wanted. That's all he ever wanted. He wants what Adam threw away restored. That's all he wants. And when you walk with him and you talk with him, there was a song we used to sing. Hallelujah. And you bask in the light and you, you spend time in his word and you bask in the knowledge of God and you gain confidence, you gain composure. When have you ever seen me afraid? Because I've spent time with him. See? I've spent time with him. We walk with him and we talk with him. We spend time in his word. We come to know who he is. And over time, it takes time, but you can develop this, you can develop and strengthen this spirit man on the inside, this new creation in Christ. And you can come into sync with him by renewing your mind. You change your life by renewing your mind to the word of God. And, and uh, Romans 12 verse 2 says that when you renew your mind to the word of God, you know the will of God. You, you're not walking in the dark anymore. You're not stumbling along in life. You know what to do. Now, he's not going to tell you to buy the red Ford or the, the blue Chevrolet. You know, he leaves decisions up to us. You know, you want to live in a Mediterranean-style house or a colonial house. Or, you know, those are all decisions that don't really matter. Just do whatever you want to do. But he'll keep you out of trouble. Amen. He'll keep you from getting ripped off. Amen. When we spend time with him, in his word. And when we spend time with him in prayer, his light shines in our lives and we get strong and we have faith and we're not confused and we know what to do. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us, and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again, and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.